Crypto Parabellum Podcast. We're back. Well, we, I'm back. And you can see a new face here. We have uh, a previous guest of the stream and a friend of the program, Zach, a.k.a. BTC BAP, a.k.a. Value Stack Pod in the house. Zach, what's up? What's up, Jared? Friend of hodler, friend of of all hodlers, defender of defender of consensus. That's right. That's right. I love it. Love that. <laughs> Thanks uh, for having me on, man. Is this my first time yeah. on Parabellum? <clears throat> it is. Yeah, you haven't been on this one. We've recorded on this one before, but I don't think we uh, we've recorded on this program. But I pushed it out on uh, Twitch. Different stream. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Different deal. So, like, this is uh, supposed to be supposed to be more. You know, just like FA news of the day, kind of talk about what's going on here. And it's been a while since we've had um, a show. It's been a few months. Obviously, I've updated most people. I've had some personal stuff going on, but that's starting to subside and get a little better. You know about that. Um, and I feel like as we've been gone, Bitcoin has had a ton of spotlight. I mean, today's you know the 11th. We're over 30,000 for the first time in almost what 10 months, 11 months. I don't know. It's been a long time. But there's been a lot of activity around Bitcoin. There's been a lot of things that have been um, positive for Bitcoin, not good for the entire financial system. But we all kind of knew that train was coming. So you got banks failing and you got like bailouts and we continue to send money to Ukraine that's just getting burnt. And it's just like, you know, we're finding ways to dilute our our currency. Bitcoin's mopping up. So I'm excited to talk to you about what's kind of happening on Bitcoin, what's coming next. Um, there's NFTs and those sorts of things. But uh, if you wouldn't mind taking a little bit of time here and give like a minute introduction on yourself, where you came from, uh, what you do now and yada, yada, yada. So people, you can establish yourself as the expert I know you to be, but to the audience. I came from the the, the swamps of Louisiana there. <laughs> do I sound like an expert now? <laughs> nice. Um, yes, perfect. Yeah. My name's Zach. BTC BAP, I go by on the interwebs, uh, student of economics, former financial advisor turned Bitcoiner, um, work in self-custody for a company called Casa, yep. helping people secure Bitcoin and am just really like enamored by this whole culture movement that Bitcoin has brought about partly because it intersects in the two things that I have been most interested in my whole life, which is economics and technology. Um, so how could it not be something that would catch my eye when uh, you, you tell me they're all that, you know, you could, this is th that put together 24 seven on stereo 365. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm interested. Right. So yeah. Um, yeah. That's how I got uh, kind of into this through the financial industry and uh yeah, now I'm a big, now I'm here. Nice. Yeah, that's uh I always I always like going to you on like Bitcoin related things cuz I know you'll kind of tell me the truth. And I'm like, is this a big deal or is just stupid? Or like what's the truth will set here? you free, Jared. Yeah. Yeah, so you you've kind of been my resource for uh for the happenings of of Bitcoin and there's been a lot going on. So I found it funny because I remember when, you know, like DeFi summer and 
uh, you know, 2020 and then like NFTs really became big. I mean, obviously punks were always there, but that was its own thing. Really like the open sea NFT market, right? Became big. And I bring all that up because I remember a lot of Bitcoin talking heads just absolutely shitting on NFTs like forever being like, that's stupid. Like with the point of a blockchain this, you know, what are we talking about? Blah, 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 blah. And that was like years ago. And what's happened recently with Bitcoin and, and JPEGs and blockchain, Zach? Yeah, well, I mean, now, I mean, the reason that JPEGs on blockchains are stupid is because those blockchains won't be around in 20 years. So neither will your JPEGs. Fair enough. Uh, but now that you can tie images to Bitcoin uh, through a new method uh, by tracking individual Satoshis and their ordinal placement, uh, now they're going to be around forever because Bitcoin's going to be around forever. So I'm interested, you know, uh, and there's actually been another way stamps, which I don't actually think are as good as ordinals, mostly because they don't take advantage of the SegWit discount. So they're way more expensive. Uh, and you're also limited in the size that you can do it. But yeah, now you can, you know, Casey wrote wrote or more, uh, put out a, he's been working on ordinals for a while, the ordinals theory. And it was basically a way to, assign a specific numerical thing like a like a serial number mm. to a specific satoshi and there's 2.1 quadrillion different ones right 21 million bitcoin yep. so there are you know if it's like okay well if you could order if you could track them these individual ones then you could inscribe uh in the witness data some kind of image or or metadata and then track that metadata along with it even if the UTXO that that Satoshi was on is different. So even if it moves yeah. to a new address, you can, and so that he created this way of tracking it, but it is just a shared delusion. You know, the, the blockchain does not know about individual Satoshis <laughs> or, or, or ordinal theory. Right. It, it's really a abstraction built on top of Bitcoin, but the metadata that people anchor to these ordinals that is on the blockchain. So to me, it's right. like, the the inscriptions are really what's cool, but without ordinal theory, you wouldn't be able to find the inscriptions on the chain. So they are kind of like required that, you know, one, you need both. Um, but there are stamps now, which uh, it can't be pruned because you can prune the witness data. Uh, and then there's other stuff that will be coming out too. But yeah, NFTs on Bitcoin, who'd have thought? Yeah, it's, it's just kind of wild because... Um... I remember years ago talking to someone in TradFi um, and just like talking theoretically about NFTs like as proof of ownership across, you know, Web3 and the real world, right? Um, but there's so much that goes into that security and how you tie in, how do you know, am, am I going to do this on Avalanche? No. Ethereum, maybe, but it's kind of hard. And I feel like it's probably going to open up a new sector within Bitcoin, which is like actual real world assets on the blockchain and uh, at least ownership. Because what I've seen being built are more lending ideas now, because if you're going to do it with real world assets, you're not going to do it on anything other than Bitcoin, which is kind of wild to think about. 
I agree with the last statement you made where like if you are going to do that, you're going to do it on Bitcoin. Right. But I'm not sure that you're going to do that on Bitcoin either because of the Oracle problem. So, yeah. you know, what I do think like inscriptions are digital assets. They're not real world assets, right? They're, right. they're they do not exist in the physical world. And this is why they're appropriate for point being pointed to by Bitcoin. Um because it it can there's two problems with nfts first you have the verification of the record of the database like the chain right. security which is what we've been talking about up to this point like if the chain's not there the thing that says that you own it isn't there either right so sure. your your ownership that's represented on the chain is only as good as the chain itself which is why bitcoin is the best one for that but there's also the Oracle problem, which is, okay, you solve that. But then like, how do you know, even if you have the ownership on chain, that the real world asset that it's supposed to track is there yeah, and accounted sure. for. And so this is why I believe digital natured assets are naturally a much better fit for, uh, for this like tracking of ownership on a digital block on a blockchain like that, because there's no Oracle problem that exists. Sure. I mean, that makes sense. And I think that uh, actually one of the, the episodes that uh, Taxi and I have recorded uh, for a whole different series talks about um, what Link is trying to do in bridging. Um, oracling, that's probably not the right way to say that, uh, real world information into the blockchain to be used for, for stuff such as this, which is, you know, pretty wild to me um, about that idea. But yeah, you're probably right. I, I just it, it's funny to me because uh, of the turn of hat over the past like three, four years of like, ah, eh, JPEGs are stupid, which, you know, they are, but they are. I mean, they're stupid on Bitcoin, too. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, like they're yeah. stupid and not in this for JPEGs. No, 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 no. But it, Bitcoin is a is a network security infrastructure. Yeah. And so if like you value jpegs as a free market participant then it's there and offered to you to you know take advantage of that security right you right. just got to pay for it yeah sure and as long as you pay for it i'm okay with it because yeah. it fits in the rules and if it doesn't fit in the rules or i'm sorry if the if the rules shouldn't allow for it well that's a different discussion yeah um speaking of rules and allowing for it and Bitcoin upgrades or changes to Bitcoin have been notoriously slow and rejected. Um, just because, yeah, we got, you know, how much are you going to put into a block, right? And what's the bandwidth and yada, yada, yada. But then also just changes. So um, would you mind telling people like Taproot, Segwit, you know, things that have been proposed, things that have been implemented? Like what is that? How does that fit into the scheme of the evolution of Bitcoin? Yeah, well, SegWit was a way to segregate the witness data um, from the rest of the transaction. It was essential for transaction malleability because essentially anybody could go and change the transaction ID before SegWit. So Lightning Network couldn't really work without this upgrade. Um, by allowing for the witness data to be kind of partitioned off from the rest of the transaction, it allowed for this upgrade to occur while remaining backwards compatible with those who chose not to take advantage of it. It sort of kind of manipulated the block size in that 
the old way was block weight and the new or the old way was like the sats per byte or like the number of bytes, whereas now yeah. it's called weight units. So they did this by basically anything in the witness calculation part of the transaction has a 25% weight. And so you, you know, if all of it was SegWit compatible in theory, like if every trans, if the block was full and it was full of a hundred percent SegWit transactions, then the, you know, the, the hypothetical, like analogous size would be four megabytes. But uh, if it was all old style transactions, then it would still be one. And so it sort of gives it like a soft limit for the witness data only um, for this part. And so this really like there was it really was a big non-entity because most of the time i mean it's been a non-factor because like it's been in i mean segwit was like 2017 2018 like the block size wars you know 2017 yeah. and um the it hasn't like mattered because the blocks have been relatively empty other than like during that pump in 2021 and and so segwit adoption is not really taken off that quickly until there was a need for it and so, but now that it has, now that the people want to put all these, you know, extra extraneous data right. into the witness, all of a sudden there's a, pretty much every, every block is full. Right. Uh, and so there's a, uh, all of a sudden you're seeing these blocks be full, but the, um, you know, your question about taproot, well, this taproot was like another upgrade that came about in 2021 and in a similar way, it, it it has some opt-in capabilities that you don't have to use. Uh, it was voted in, like, again, a while ago, but it hasn't really been adopted because there was not really a need for it yet. And inscriptions take advantage of the changes that Taproot upgrade brought about. And so you've seen a massive spike in the adoption rate of the new Taproot style Bitcoin addresses in part due to the adoption of ordinals and inscriptions, which is now incentivizing wallet providers to build Taproot support, which is then encouraging other wallet providers to build that compatibility as well. So it sort of needed this catalyst momentum to get some adoption. That's interesting. Now, so, so nothing's really changed. It's just finally being utilized four and one and a half years later. Yeah, exactly. And, and SegWit's been slowly being adopted, but Taproot was basically nothing until, uh, until just recently. Okay, so if I'm if I'm asking you, my personal expert on all things Bitcoin, you saw this catalyst recently with ordinals, inscriptions, et cetera, that have kind of sent this firing. And you mentioned wallet providers integrating with these things because they have to now. Where do we go from here, right? So, like, this started us down a path, and like, we saw these iterations on the Ethereum blockchain where it was like this became that, became that, became batch transactions, became, you know, like it, all these things to handle the bandwidth. Does this, does this change anything like moving forward? Like, what do you think comes from here? 
Well, the thing I'm most excited about is Musig 2, which is a new form of multi-signature wallet structure uh, using key aggregation. It essentially hides the fact that it's a multi-sig wallet from the blockchain. Mm. That's nice. And it also makes the fees for a multi-sig wallet the same as a single sig. Oh. So it's more private and it no longer costs more to use this type of redundancy. And this is a taproot enabled multi-sig. So not possible without taproot. No one's going to implement it without other people using taproot. So it's like, you know, ordinals are like the, you know, Trojan horse for music. Um, yeah. So that, I mean, that's like what I'm, what I'm, I mean, I, I, I work. No, that's good. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I work for a self custody company. So like, this is like what I'm most excited about. And also it's just like, I mean, it's just going to be better for privacy because on-chain analytics and KYC are evil in my opinion. And, uh, the more you can hide the fact that you're using a multi-sig, the less you stand out. And from that, the, you know, maybe the little, the little bit more physical safety that, that you'll, you'll have. So it's interesting you say that because, um, I feel like every, uh, major headline when it comes to like crypto and politics or regulation or oversight is around trying to claw out as much transparency as possible for the authorities that may be to see what the hell's going on. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, the stuff you see uh, Coinbase getting hit with where they're like, we got to see, you know, your, your customer data and, um, they're talk, talking about all the people that were affected by FTX essentially being all the names being given to the U.S. government, right? Like just the things that are crazy um, to be able to look at. It's like, oh, you didn't say that you traded on FTX in your taxes, but here we can see that you traded from 2018, you know, whatever, or 20 to 21. So don't you feel like this war is coming? Like like sooner rather than later, there's going to be some some massive declaration. We'll just talk about the U.S., by the by the US government where it's like if you do not report in this way then you're running afoul of the law subject to very serious penalties what like is that like an active thought is that an active um we needed to develop this so there's infrastructure so there's economies so there's things where you never have to dox yourself like you said privacy on the blockchain multi-sig whatever but like what do you think happens how how does bitcoin iterate to head off those sorts of developments man dude i don't know <laughs> Honestly, it's not like, like it's I, not being considered, right? Like it oh, has I mean, to be part of the conversation. I, the, the privacy aspect of Bitcoin is the biggest flaw. It's also what allows for it to be transparent and trustless. Mm -hmm. Like the lack of privacy, rather. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, my current theory is that no one will transact on chain. Well, you know, not no one. Um, you know, Joe Blow going to the grocery store is not transacting on chain. Sure. Right. The end user 
who was using Bitcoin as a medium of exchange uh, is not likely to be using Bitcoin on chain for two reasons, privacy, second reason, fees. Third reason, congestion, which is like fees. Because like if you, you know, okay, there's 21 million Bitcoin, 10 billion people, cool, you got 200,000 sats per person, but less because some people have more than that, right? And so... Like you only got a couple hundred thousand sats. You're not going to spend 2000 sats on a single on-chain transaction. Right. Right. That's like 10% of your net worth. What? Like you're not going to do that. That's, I mean, that's, right, that's right, right. that it will not happen. So what you'll see is Bitcoin become the institutional settlement layer and for all like on-chain and mm-hmm. you will be moving 10 Bitcoin from this wallet to this wallet. And that will be a billion dollars. And you will be willing to pay those 2,000 Satoshis for that yeah, settlement yeah, yeah. assurance at that point. Um, but I don't think end users are good. So uh, I think you'll see a mix of custodial use. Uh, I mean, as much as I like advocate for self-custody, people are not going to... You can take self-custody of your dollars, kind of. I mean, you can get cash, I guess. Right. Like, they can still print it out from under you, but kind of. Um so people are, but like you can also just put it in the back and like people are going to use custodial Bitcoin and they're going to continue to get burned over and over and over again as the Bitcoin banks go bankrupt over and over and over again by making the same mistakes of fractional reserve that the fiat banks made over and over and over again. The difference being that the Federal Reserve can't bail them out with infinite money. So it's going to happen right. much more frequently uh, until the market figures it out and stops trusting their wealth with these scams. So, but there will be some, you know, fractional or maybe even the fully reserved back custodial Bitcoin banks, or, you know, there'll be 99% backed or something. I don't know. And then eventually there'll be 1% backed because people are greedy. But my point is that there will be a mix of custodial and non-custodial arrangements. People will have all types. They'll use lightning. Um, But I don't think your average person will be holding funds on chain. So they won't be sending Bitcoin in a ultra transparent way only the you know institutions or maybe like the people who are really early who have an institutional level of wealth to their name because they bought 10 bitcoin or something like those are the people who will transact on chain but those people will also be billionaires right so like it they're not like they're not like the rest of the world in that in that consideration so lightning you can already move Bitcoin off chain with Cash App. Like if you just give me your cash tag, mine's BTC BAP. You can just send me Bitcoin. You can just literally send any amount of Bitcoin to beat to dollar sign BTC BAP and I'll get it. And then I can withdraw it to my own wallet whenever I want. So there's all kinds of different ways to move Bitcoin. You don't have to do it on chain. But when you're talking about, hey, I'm buying a house or maybe even in a house there's like, won't be that big of a deal. All right, I'm moving from, you know, I'm moving 10 Bitcoin from this wallet to this wallet. Yeah. Okay, yeah, bro, we're sending it on chain and I'll pay the fee and I want the settlement assurance. Okay. That's what I envision being the outcome given the path that we're on today, uh, which is why Lightning is important because like layer twos have to, I mean, SegWit enabled Lightning and Lightning won't be the only layer two. Like I said, Cash App, they'll be custodial layer twos. Right. Right, right, right. There'll be non-custodial layer twos. There'll be layer threes like Cashew, not to be confused with Cash App. <laughs> so, like, that's that's kind of the part where, like, I don't know. I, 
I feel like Bitcoin needs to be very well positioned to take advantage of what's coming because I don't think there's a way with this FTX blow up and now there's all these people that are trying to hurt crypto um, at the same time as like they're advocating for printing and destroying the dollar, which is funny. But that evolution of like the actual digital economy will be stymied by regulation. Yeah. And so it's it's like the quite frankly it's the case for Ethereum because Ethereum's are working very well with roll up with batching with bandwidth like essentially pulling the internet into Ethereum, right? Like they're they're charging full stream ahead. But you and I both know that like what people want out of Ethereum is essentially to to pull it back to Bitcoin. You know what I mean? Like the <laughs> to say that like the the true money is in Bitcoin and we're using it as leverage or loans or whatever it is against on Ethereum as this whole thing's being built out. It just feels like um there's disharmony uh and there's going to be major disruption for what happens next because I don't think we get out of 2023 maybe 2024 without some serious regulatory shots coming right for all of us. Yeah. No, that's why KYC is evil because like the regulate, I mean, the whole point of Bitcoin is to separate money from state, at least in my opinion. I agree. And so, I mean, like they're going to fight it and like, they're going to try to stop it. The, the whole appeal of Bitcoin is that it's was thought, sufficiently with, with it was designed with enough sufficient forethought to not allow for that to happen to not to not become compromised by the government but bad, whereas it, like ethereum i mean and look like i'm 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 just i'm not saying that it's going to zero i'm just saying that i don't have the same level of confidence that ethereum can withstand a nation state attack as bitcoin and that doesn't oh, I mean agree 100 percent. 100 percent right yeah and, and like for me it's like Ethereum seems more like an investment to trade in and out of the Bitcoin cycles if you're trying to earn more Bitcoin than it is something that I want to build a, a legacy from for like multiple generations and build on that. So, but you know, like I don't, I honestly just don't give a shit anymore, dude. I just don't tell people. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I don't care. I don't care. Like the whole point of Bitcoin for me is to be able to live my life on a stable foundation and not have to live in the ebbs, the ups and downs of the hamster wheel and just have some predictability in my life because life is already so unpredictable yeah. that I just want like some, some kind of framework that I can count on. Yeah. And like, bro, Ethereum has so many hard forks that I like, I, I'm not even throwing shots at it. Like I'm just being objective. Like there are so many hard forks and so many changes. It's like Bitcoin is 30 something like me and has figured out who and what it is and is not going to change. Yeah. And yeah. like, sure, like, will it, it's, has it got an open mind and will like allow you to put some, you know, tattoos on it? Like, I guess like <laughs> inscriptions, you know, sure. I guess like, you know, you, you may be softening your old age, but, but Ethereum is a preteen. It's a teenager. It has no idea. It's going through an identity crisis. Yeah. And that's not to say that it's a scam outright. I, it's just, it, it's changing so much that it doesn't give me the framework that I'm looking for where with what I look for Bitcoin to provide. Uh, and it's a different use. I think people look at it. Those who are not dogmatic about Bitcoin and Ethereum 
I think those who do hold both view them as different purposes. And yeah. Yeah. And so that's like, that's how I look at it too. And yeah, I don't know, man. It's, I, I do think there's going to be some regulatory action. Um, I don't know the outcome. I think if there's any coin aside from Bitcoin that can withstand regulatory fight, it is probably Ethereum. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, so here, but that guess, doesn't mean so it will. I, I don't think that it's I, truly. Um, I think Ethereum is not going anywhere, barring some massive security issue. Which I don't either. You know, it'll still whatever. exist internationally, even if it. Yeah, it'll still exist, yeah. even if it gets yeah. banned in the U.S. That's right. So it, it's not going anywhere. It could lose its value. It could take a hit. But you know, so many things are being built upon it. Uh, and then iterated beyond that, that it's just kind of making itself ubiquitous. Not to mention the things like, you know, trying to connect it to the real world. But that's not really my point. My point is, you um, and I, you know, you talk about the United States. And, I mean, <laughs> if it becomes exceedingly hard for you to actually realize uh, Bitcoin into any sort of tangible anything for your life that is hard okay so like i you know i have different sets of how i invest right i have bitcoin that i hold on to that i never touch yeah and then i have stuff that i'm trading in and out of and occasionally mm -hmm. sometimes we'll take money out into fiat for purchases here and there and then put it back in when i feel time is right that ability to get on and off chain is truly at risk without giving an unbelievable level of uh, transparency to the government where yep. it's say, where did you buy it? How much did you buy it for? What'd you trade yeah. it on? Let me see every transaction you've ever done. And that bothers me tremendously. Now yeah. you have a different view on it because you're like, I'm acquiring man. You're the hodler that I know. And it's a, no, uh, I mean, I have the same view on that. That's like, it's a huge problem. KYC is a big problem. It's a huge problem, and I don't know where that ends. And quite frankly, it's what it ends with me a the knock most. on your door and a gunfight. Is probably that's right, dude. Ends. Like it's it kind like, of honestly does. probably where it ends, which is why I don't even want to talk about it because yeah, it's not fun to think about. Um, they won't like. This is one of the naive takes that I feel many Bitcoiners hold. They can't get my Bitcoin. Yeah, well, they're gonna get you, <laughs> and then like. Cool. Yeah. They didn't get your Bitcoin. You're right. Like they didn't. And right. your family may still be able to have access to the wealth. And like, if you want to go down as a martyr, that's your right, I guess. Yeah. But like, yeah. I would like to keep the funds that I've saved for my family, pass them on to the next generation and be able to retire and live my old age in peace, right. not in a box. Yeah. And so like, I think that many people underestimate how willing they're going to be to fight. This is why you can't, in my opinion, you cannot have access to your Bitcoin. You have to do the stuff like multi-sig because if you yeah. can give it up, you will. Because right. if you're going to choose between fucking living and not, I mean, come on. Like yeah, somebody's going to pull the trigger. Like you're not going to get the Bitcoin. You know this. But that doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. Like, is there no, there's no, I mean, 
is there no pr the, the the counter argument that bitcoiners use is well there's no incentive to attack because they won't get anything and it's like yes that is correct people aren't rational they do things without the right incentives aligned otherwise if the incentive people followed incentives no one would own fiat anymore today so right. like you can't bank on people not going to attack you because like they're not going to get a, they're not going to get anything that right. may discourage some people but it's not going to discourage everyone people just senselessly attack random people on the street for no reason they didn't rob them they just initiate gang initiations and stuff so right i mean my think point about that for is a that sorry just just right there you like senseless senseless attacking and i really don't mean to, right. to jump in right to your point there but like that's why you can't it. have access to it right and think about one time like let's say let's say the government comes out and says like if you have reported any sort of bitcoin earnings on your taxes in your life ever you, we need yes. these level of disclosures okay we need to see what you did and where and we're going to dig into it and we're going to essentially pin it down to you yeah. and now they yeah. have this big list of people who have transacted yep. on the blockchain or just owned it or whatever it may be yeah. and then that that list gets leaked somehow it will it absolutely will the government right. is terrible at protecting data absolutely wikileaks man <laughs> like that should never have been possible even with an internal person okay like it shouldn't even have been possible yeah your social security number is tied to your utxos it will right. be it's, it's if exactly you buy, right. I mean, it it is tied to them yeah. already. Yeah, that's a good point. Because like indirectly, right? Yeah, dude. Okay, what I mean, like to be honest, like to anyone who doesn't own Bitcoin and is starting to think about acquiring it, do yourself a favor, pay the ten or fifteen percent premium and get non KYC Bitcoin. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. For the fucking sage advice, you're welcome. <laughs> Don't yeah. cheap out. Pay the premium. It's yeah. worth it. I'm not going to yeah. say it again. It's worth it. I said it one more time. Yeah. It's worth the premium. This is the most important thing I will say on this podcast. Yeah. Pay the premium for no KYC Bitcoin. You will thank yourself and btc bap in the future later yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't i don't disagree i mean it's uh it's just it's a harrowing thought it's a scary thought it is um, and you don't know the more flexibility you have in the future the better and you don't want to be like well i can't do this because they know that's right so think with the end in mind yeah and, and so i asked i asked that because i don't know the capabilities of what can be done and upgrades and soft forks and whatever it may be but sorry i should have i should have hit the sensor thing no you're fine. That. <laughs> you're gonna, it's a neat toy though i like it yeah. um what what i don't you know secret network got a ton of pub when it first came out because they were the first ones to try to truly cloak transactions as a blockchain okay right it's a piece of shit it doesn't work yeah. but it was a good idea Okay. That's all crypto is. Good ideas, poor execution. That's 100% right. Yeah. Could not agree more. Uh, there's some good execution out there, and that's why they're yeah, actually Bitcoin. Worth, yeah. Well, there's others, but not to the same level. Not Okay. So there's good execution. There's good near-term execution. Nobody's perfected good. You know what was great execution? execution? FTX. 
Yeah, that was flawless execution of a scam. Of a scam, dude. Right yeah. under people's noses for for more than what was it, like two, three years. Yeah, I mean, he was around longer. Alameda was long. I mean, around that's longer. Some, that's that, some yeah. high high performing individuals there. It's amazing what Adderall can do. I know. I'll tell you what, if if SBF is still alive in two years, I will be shocked. Oh, I, I won't will be, be shocked. I mean, he's no, I say that someone's going to knock him off because like you had to have had some power for people that were complicit in helping you to get that far. Yeah. You know, for sure. For, so that's it's why like I'm that. not so sure the regulatory agency is like uh, Coinbase might like, you know, they had like SEC and Coinbase are kind of like, you know, having a creed for. Um, preview you know yeah. and uh and they're like i'm not sure the sec is gonna win this one i think I, the sec is out of their element and coinbase is ready and they're but 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 the problem is that you can't win their game and eventually you may win this round but you'll lose yeah you're never yeah, gonna yeah. win so stop fighting yeah no so that's honestly if, if i'm 100 honest i think coinbase is actually very well positioned to like score some big wins for the crypto industry near term again we all know long term where this thing ends up uh, and i think it's gonna 100 buoy uh, their business for the next generation yeah. because well they they're whole, gonna be the talisman their whole bank their whole company is based on ethereum yeah like it's kind of sad that they have i mean because they're there is is there a Coinbase in ETH? I don't think so. The name, the term Coinbase is referring to the block subsidy that is issued new Bitcoin each block. Right. So the term Coinbase is a Bitcoin term. Right. And they were a Bitcoin company. And I mean, they whatever. They have Bitcoin. I don't really care. I don't feel any type of way. But it's sort of, it's sad, but just more as like a, I, I, like they they are so dependent on Ethereum. They have issued their own Coinbase ETH liquid staking token. Oh yeah, yeah. They've issued their own blockchain base chain, which is like a layer two for ETH. Yep. They have issued the, you know, they did all the naming conventions like the dot crypto dot ETH or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like they're deep ENS. in the ENS stuff. So yeah. like. It's just like their whole their their staking reward. They're one of the largest, if not the largest, validator on Ethereum. Um, so like they just are deeply, deeply embedded in the Ethereum. They are invested as a company in many, 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 many ETH-based venture companies through their venture arm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, look, one of ours, one of them is the one I work for. Like it, right, right. I, I just like I think there's a world where you can be objective about something and, and not tie your emotion into it. And it's like, for, for me, I guess it's not very objective that like I'm disappointed in that. What I mean to say is that it is not surprising that Coinbase is so ready to defend their stance on the security status of their business and particularly Ethereum ecosystem right. because so much of their business livelihood is tied to the succession or like to the success yeah. of this ecosystem sure. itself of the proliferation. Yeah. No, so I don't disagree with that. What I would say is, um, and this is where I've, I've routinely given Bitcoiners a really hard time in their hatred of Ethereum. And I know that's not you, um, but there are many that do. Yeah. And it's like, a lot of people got interested in Bitcoin after getting into crypto a different way. Yeah, almost. Because I think eventually, like your journey ends. Literally, with Bitcoin. almost everyone. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's like you get in because you're like, oh, hey, what about this? NBA Top Shots, which are stupid. But I know a ton of people that are collectors that are like, oh, my God, NBA Top Shots. How do I do that? Wait, where does this go? Okay, sick. How do I? Four steps later, you're like, hey, Bitcoin's pretty cool. So like they have a role that even though it's like it's too bad that they got that far deep. However, I think that far that level of depth is helping Bitcoin more than almost anything else apart from more bailouts has ever done to help out Bitcoin. Dude, Christian Carolis, um, CK, Bitcoin Magazine. Yeah. He he tweeted this the other day. He goes, you know, I turn, coined the term CK's razor. Never attribute to ignorance or stupidity what could be attributed to malice instead. Like, and I, I, I that is like, it just made me think of that. Like, yeah, people don't admit that they didn't wake up the first day and we're like, Oh, the yeah. orange pill was just sitting there glowing above their bed. Right, and right, they right. said, Oh, I gotta have it. Bitcoin only 21 million. Yeah. You know, let me run seven nodes in my basement. Like people don't, that's not how it's not like real. No. What it is, is a level. And this is why I've gotten into the Taoism so much is like, there's a level of ego, a lack of ego or, uh, uh, a putting down of your ego that you have to get to in order to understand Bitcoin period. Yeah, no doubt. It's like, Oh, I, the world is not the way that I thought it was. If you can admit that to yourself, you're ahead of most people already. Yeah. Uh, still, and and the ability to be flexible in your worldview. Um, this is oftentimes a problem that Bitcoiners have. They're not flexible and they're like, Bitcoin's not meant to have NFTs on it. Well, now it is, I guess, huh? Right. Um, but the problem being that like this, this lack of flexibility, you know, in this worldview just like creeps up like all over, all over life too. Like, and, yeah. and, and so I think there's a level of just, you know, like there's a level of just temperance. And that that people would benefit from having, and there's a a level of ego dropping that you have to get to to both become a Bitcoin maximalist, but also to admit additionally, and and these are not together to admit that like that you did not wake up one morning and were there, yeah, and like and it's even furthermore. Yeah. I'm still like, I was more of a Bitcoin maximalist a year ago than I am today. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's not a, a point that you become. And I think that like, like you said, you're a journey, like the level of humility and to say that, Hey, like, I don't have it all figured out. I'm learning. I, I, I like to learn with honest intentions. Yeah. I may not have all the right answers and know that my intention is never to mislead. Sure. Right. Maybe I make mistakes cause I'm learning out in public, which is a brave thing for people to do. But no, it, the it problem puts, that Bitcoiners yeah. have is where the people intentionally mislead and use their platform to promote things, which in the Bitcoiners opinion is malicious right and that unfortunately because of the transparent uh, of the you know hidden kind of nature of blockchains and like the newness of it people use it as a scammer's playground yeah. and it oftentimes ruins the message behind why bitcoin could be a meaningful movement for the world yeah 
it taints it. And I think that's uh, why there's such this like, you know, doctrine within the communities. Yeah. It's important stuff and we're fighting a big battle. That's how they feel, I guess. And it is. And I think it's a generational battle. Um, And we'll see when it gets, when it gets resolved or how it gets resolved. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with anything you said. I think it's just that, that flexibility and openness to education too. And that's why like I, I poke fun about the pictures on the blockchain bullshit and then becoming a thing. But it's like, in some ways it's refreshing that something new happened and like, there's nothing wrong with like lightning happened, tap or whatever. And like, that was all nice to see, but functionally didn't do anything. Um, and this has just caused a lot of those things to be upgraded and used. And you're like, Hey, all right, sweet. Like we're, we're doing something new. So like, that's the part where my brain get, goes there. There's going to be further iterations. Like there's going to be more, like you said, level twos, level threes. Could we, could we batch transactions together? Could they be clouded? Could they be cloaked? Um, which again is part of the problem because like, like you said, it's all based on transparent accounting, which we never get from fractional reserve federal you know banks right um but on the base layer uh, yeah only there's only the transparency on how many units are in circulation even one derivative above where i have a wallet i'm a custodian and there's 500 people that think they got this much bitcoin you don't know all the addresses that i got bitcoin tied to so like if i was a bank like i'm a bitcoin bank I owe you X amount of Bitcoin to my customers. I have Y amount of Bitcoin in my possession that I'm supposed to owe people. Unless yeah. the customer is aware of every single address that I have Bitcoin on, they don't know if I'm fractionally reserving or not. Yeah, Even yeah, if they cool. know the whole system itself is not fractionally reserved, they don't know if you're fractionally reserved. That's what happened to BlockFi and, and many yeah. of these other companies, Celsius. So, like, yeah, I mean, people are people. People are going to be people with or without bitcoin yeah what bitcoin is is like removes the most base layer of manipulation but that's it just that everything else like right. from set layer two on you're still going to get screwed and you think that's its <laughs> destiny like ultimately that's yes that's, bitcoin's destiny is just purely that when a hundred years from now got it it's yeah. just a system to verify value and that i don't think the nfts are going to like really stick around um, they will stick around in that they're already there. But but remember, Jared, earlier we were talking about using the base layer for transactions. All right. 21 million Bitcoin, 10 billion people, 210,000 sats per person. Well, uh, inscription to put an image on the blockchain costs more than a more weight than a normal just sending Bitcoin to someone. So if it costs, you know, 10 Satoshis per byte, and let's say you're spending like a thousand sats or 800 sats or something on a transaction to send, well, dude, it's going to cost you 15, 20,000 sats to put an image on it. And so that is only for the very, 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 very rich, right? Because that's not, nobody's going to spend that. Right, right, right. So this is a thing that's like a novelty (laughs) thing now that will be like a cool thing that happened in historical archives. And by the way, you can check out some cool inscriptions on the early, early ones. I hear there's one of value stack pod. I don't know. (laughs) So everything you're saying, I agree with. I'm guessing there were plenty of people around during Da Vinci's time who was like, these paintings are nice, but this shit's not going to matter. Like who's going to pay real money for a 
you know, for Leonardo da Vinci in the future. Right. Um, well, I'll tell you who fucking super mega rich people will. It's right, so, but they're only that rich because of the fiat manipulation. They wouldn't yeah, have that ability yeah. to just spend superfluously if they didn't have such a fiat cantillion benefit. All right, all right, all right. All right. Calm, <laughs> calm down. So, I don't, I'm, just I'm saying, calm. I'm just collectors, being honest. I know. Collectors collect. They shouldn't be that rich. Okay. They shouldn't have the ability to collect all of these things. Yeah. Those resources should be. Oh, I sound like a communist. Let me stop. Oh yeah, dude. Like I, again, I don't disagree with you. Distribute the wealth. While, while while we're living in this fantasy land, Just can I mine. fly and also have like the powers of you know? Right, you can fly like Buffalo. an eagle. Yeah, dude. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, I don't disagree. Like, yeah, if we're writing it all from scratch and we get to redo society over again, I'm with you. Now that we're here, we though, there's going to be there are going to be collectors. There's going to be people that value this shit. I agree because we cannot redo society from scratch. It's not possible. There's right. two things about future that are true. Uh, it hasn't happened yet, and it's going to be rooted in the present. Yeah. So there is no like starting over. Like we have to build off of what we have today. There's yeah. always it's always rooted in the present. So yeah, yeah, because that, of it exists today, because it's rooted in the present. It, the things that you were just mentioning, they'll exist in Bitcoin. Yeah, there'll be stocks that are traded in Bitcoin price, you know, and like yeah, yeah, yeah. No the doubt. stock market will be open 24 seven, 365, like, because that's how it should be. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's funny it'll is be traded in bits. The same concept. I, I argue with people all the time about gun control and like, I don't want to go down that path, but I'm like, look, dude, yeah. in theory, if we could get rid of every gun in the world, I would do it. I'd be do great. It heartbeat. But if one gun exists. It's over. It's over. So, so it's like, let's given work that, with that fantasy world of like, there's no guns in the world will never exist. <laughs> let's talk about how we proceed moving forward. And that Correct. like that jump from, from reality uh, to, you know, it's all fantasies. about incentives, dude. You know how you stop gun violence by discouraging, by increasing the cost of participating in gun violence. Yeah. Yeah. If you try to steal and you and you have a high probability of getting shot, yeah, probably not going to steal. Yeah. I mean, I you mean, might. Like and people will. And people will. There'll be people that like were like I'm worth worth the calculation, bro. Yeah. And they're going to get shot. Well, but, but that's you, the thing is like that, there's no fear of retribution. Yeah. So there's no cost to taking the risk. Where it's right. the same with Bitcoin in the opposite, where it's like, there's no benefit. There is only cost of risk. Like, there's no bet because you're not going to get the Bitcoin. So there, yeah. it discourages you from even doing it in the first place. And this is yeah. what all of Jason Lowry's book is about, Soft War. He says Bitcoin can be used as a power projection tool. You don't actually have to exert the force. You just need to project that you can exert the force enough to discourage them from trying to fuck with you in the first place yeah and that it's sort of this game theoretical equation where it's like well if we both know mutually assured destruction is coming neither of us are going to participate yeah. and this is the whole thing with like like double spending problem it's the same game theoretical concept this is why i'm starting to more and more think that john nash is toshi because he's the only person out there that understood the how humans interacted on a strategic level independently from one another but also at a system together at the same time and you know that's all about the nash equilibrium you know all that's about yeah. so can i ask you a, a, like a kind of a stu super dumb but just like a, a really good podcast question 
Yeah. For one, for me to ask or like the answer? No, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you. Oh, okay. I, okay. I, I want you to think about this. It's just a good, it's like a great talk radio it. podcast question. Okay. You ready for okay. this? Okay. <sighs> okay. Two part, two parts. Double part. The first one. Uh, this is easy. Do you believe Satoshi is still alive today? Depends on if it's John Nash. Well, right. Okay. But like, you know, obviously how no. obviously knew who that person was. He died. No, because but, no, okay, no, okay. no. For either no person is that selfless or no, because it's not a person. It's multiple. It's and therefore I think it's collective die. anyway. Right. Um, all right. So then let's say let's, let's fast forward to, to part B. Let's say that Satoshi is alive and is a single person and they come back with irrefutable evidence that they are in fact Satoshi because you're right. No person is that selfless. And so finally after X years, I mean, we're whatever they like lost the keys. That's the only way they hodled this long. Yeah. They came back and they're like, I am he, and this is where we should be moving forward. Okay. Is that a a positive for 10 years? Yeah, is that a net positive no. or a net negative for definitely for negative, absolutely a negative? Which is Isn't why that they, I hope wild though. Like they, it's the, the leaderless movement. It. That's the whole point. It's a leaderless movement. That's why Ethereum in this in this light, I believe, is weaker because there is a frontman, Vitalik. Yeah. Now he's not the he doesn't control it. No, but his but narratives up, and his papers. But he's up there dictating it, yeah. the 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 roadmap. You know, and there are people like that, the core devs, maintainers. Like there are similarities yeah. in there in the Bitcoin world too, but not to the same degree. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it would be really bad for Bitcoin if Satoshi reappeared. Um, it would it would sort of call into question like, will they like become the controller? Right. Uh, and then it would also like the big question is like, are they going to dump like a million coins on the market? Like, but yeah, also actually, maybe many, they don't have that. How many, many Bitcoins co- are attributed to Satoshi right now? Do we even know? Jameson Lop, who's coming on the, whose episode on the podcast will be out soon. Sweet. Um, he wrote a article about this called the Potoshi pattern. And so we don't actually know how many, there's not that many coins that we know with certainty are Satoshis. But there's roughly like a million coins that we think are Satoshis based on some, honestly, like I'm not even going to try to explain it because it's like I'd butcher it. But Jameson Lop has a great article about it. So if you're interested really? in that topic, it's called the Potoshi, oh. Potoshi pattern, P-A-T. Potoshi pattern. I yeah, I'm going to need to post that in the notes of this so people can take a look. Because that yeah. is fascinating to me. What's that one? What's that website you can go to that can just track like old addresses? Like it oh, literally it just gives a bunch of search functions where it's like, give me Bitcoin wallets that have been inactive for greater than five years with a balance. Um, um, I don't know. I figured you'd know, but that's probably not something you spend a lot of time doing. I went down when I first got into crypto, I went down a rabbit hole just like searching that shit up to be like, yeah. how many people we're in, man, and how much did they have? Yeah, maybe it's like Bitcoin rich list. Could be. Bitinfocharts.com. That's what Bit-info. you're thinking of. Bit info charts. Here, I got it. Share screen or no? Do I share presentation? You can. I don't. I don't care. Is it presentation? 
Uh, oh, I got to upgrade my plan. Oh, Bitcoin rich list. Here it is. This thing, right? Yep. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. So there's like 98% of the supply is owned by wallets that have 0.1 or more. Or no, no, no. Um, 80, yeah, yeah. uh, 80, 93% of the supply is owned by wallets that have 10% or yeah. 93% of the supply yeah. is owned by wallets that have one Bitcoin or more on it. Yeah. And That's wild dude. Yeah. And, and 40% is owned by wallets that have a thousand or more Bitcoin on it, which are mostly exchange addresses, but there which are have many, many people's that have over a hundred thousand. There are only four addresses that have over 100,000. Binance, Bitfinex, Binance, and whatever this one is. 119,000 on this address. Damn, guys, I forgot. I'm not supposed to share this one. <laughs> Don't look at that address. No kidding. That's wild. Yeah. <sighs> I Bid info don't... charts. Yeah. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna spend some time going to that. It, it's really a fun exercise because you can look at like, um, yeah, recent transactions data. from dormant Bitcoin addresses. Yeah, so you can see shit that like, yeah, I didn't do anything for the last eight years, and then uh, he moved twenty five Bitcoin to this account. You're like, what yeah, what, what happened there? Yeah, I mean, if Toshi came back, I think that would it would definitely shake things up. Yeah, I don't. But, I don't personally think. It would be like the death knell to Bitcoin. If it happened like five years ago, it might. Yeah. yeah. It was a little, I think it's a bit, just, I don't know. One of my biggest concerns about Bitcoin today is the hash rate and the government regulation, not even like them coming down on altcoins, but nationalizing the hash rate. Because if Bitcoin is the reserve currency in the future, um, now there's a political incentive to nationalize the ability to produce it. Yeah. And sorry, eminent domain, bro. All your marathon miners are now ours. Here, we'll give you some treasuries for them. <laughs> like, you know, like, like so I, I do wonder if, like, if there was this, like, you know, game of, like, hash rate accumulation, like Jason uh, in his software book theorizes could occur. I wonder, like, if the big miners are at risk of, you know, nationalization yeah, what that does to those shareholders. The problem is that, you know, the worst run business in the world is the government and everything. So, like, they would just fuck it yeah. up and get outperformed by somebody else. Yeah, they definitely would. But I don't, I don't think anything of what we're discussing right now is something we'll even see in our lifetimes. Um, but speak for yourself. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I'll live to be a million. Well, hey, they just as long as your consciousness still alive, wait till you can inscribe your consciousness Actually, onto the blockchain. No, that's dude. I had a I had a conversation with this about this not too long ago. This guy was like, I would like to you know recreate my consciousness. I was like, that sounds awful because it would think it's you, but then it, <laughs> but then it would it would think it's you, but then it would realize one day that it isn't the real you, and holy shit, what an existential problem that would be. And then it couldn't die. So it'd be trapped in this like horror that it's not really the real it and forever. Now nah, I'm good. All right, I don't want to is... do that. And and I was like, I don't want to do that to myself. And he's like, well, it wouldn't no. be me. 
And I was like, but it would think it's you. And it would feel like it's you. So it would be you, basically. All right. So I got like, I got like eight minutes left and then I got to go. We spent too much time chatting before we started recording. Oh, my bad. No, no, no. It's good. It's good. It's good stuff. Um, Let me ask you this hypothetical. You have spent a large portion of your adult life, at least the most recently, researching, developing, thinking about not just Bitcoin, but like, you know, acquiring value, um, not being deluded by governments, how to do that. You have this like institutional knowledge that people are working right now to try to get to the point where you are, which is good. Same thing for me, just in a different way. Um, If you had the ability in like the sunset of your life to essentially, maybe not your consciousness, but your knowledge and store that somewhere that could be accessed by your, by your progeny moving forward, would you do it? Where they could be like, hey, man, uh, Uncle Zach or Grandpa Zach or Great Grandpa Zach. And then you have a repository of information that could be accessed by those people that could give you like everything you knew up to the point where you died. And that was it. Would you do it? I've thought about this a lot. Have you? All right, cool. Yeah, because then, you know, Bitcoin think, makes you think about low time preference and like beyond, yes. you know, impact beyond your mortal life. So I've thought like, oh, that would be super cool if I could like be around to like experience like what life would be like 100 years and see if the movement like yeah, yeah. came to fruition. And then like, yeah, you know, I, there's this kind of nihilism that sometimes I think about that. It's like, isn't it funny that we spend our whole lives accumulating knowledge just to like suddenly lose it all at a moment's <laughs> notice? Yeah, you're right. Like with no, quick. like you don't even get notice that like necessarily that you're going to lose it. It's just boop, gone. It's just gone. And like, wouldn't that be cool to be able to like store it forever and like build upon it and not have to start over all over again? Right. Yeah. And then I think about how a forest can't grow without wildfires eventually the soil must be replenished and a part of me thinks that you know there's a beauty in how endings become new beginnings okay and maybe it's not up to me to decide and maybe i'm interfering beyond the scope of what I should be interfering and meddling with by trying to force something that isn't supposed to be. Yeah. So given that all things are temporary, the earth itself, it's not been hospitable forever and it won't be hospitable forever. Yeah. Nor will our solar system, nor will our whole universe. So, Given that endings are an essential part of existence and that beginnings are rooted in them, I've as I've gotten older, I've started to wonder if maybe naively I thought that would be a good idea, but in fact that the nature of things is to end and then start anew, and they're supposed to be that way, so... 
I don't know. I don't have a clear cut answer on that, but I think that's where I'm leaning. I would like to, in the time that I have left, instill what knowledge and values and experiences that I can into the world. And that's exactly why I post content online so that like it yeah. is immortal, you know, I mean, as immortal as YouTube is at least, <laughs> but like, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need I to be immortal, but the, 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 the ideas that I put out in the world can exist in digital form, even if, you know, I don't. Right. That's kind of how I feel. Yeah. I like that. Very uh, altruistic, non-egocentric way of viewing that. I will say there's an element of this because now I've put out thousands of hours of work just like you have. And I'm like, it'd be kind of funny even though I have a five-month-old daughter. If I were to die, she could go watch thousands of hours of me talking. It might not mean anything to her, but she'd get an idea about who I was. It would. It would. You know? Yeah. It would mean a lot because that would be all she would get to know you from. So yeah. it would be cool. everything. In that regard, so why did Dan yeah, I mean, swear I just, so much? What the f <laughs> sailor, sailor's yeah. mouth, because a mathematician's brain, but a sailor's mouth. That's right. Because yeah, he said no, to the point where words are words, and intention matters more than definition of words, and that's how he lives. I his life. do, yeah, I man. do think intention is more important. So do you I. Know, that's why I have a casual relationship with swear words. Because when I say things, I don't mean them with malice. I just like those right. words. I like to say them. They slap. Yeah. <laughs> the uh yeah i don't know man I, I i don't have my mind made up on that but i do think that there's like the older i get the more i try to not resist yeah and just accept the nature of life as it is and appreciate it for what it is yeah i don't know if that's just me like trying to find comfort and like the mortality that i am facing I mean, I'm only 30, right? Like, I'm not even, like, that old, but I'm trying to get ahead of it because, like, I don't want it to hit me like a ton of bricks in my 60s or something. And, 100%. No, I'm, I'm right there I, with you. And I think that the sooner that someone can take a a, a, a non-attachment outlook on life from both their experiences, what they possess, even if that possession is knowledge, it's not even, like, physical things, like, you know, like the non-attachment aspect, I think will bring peace in people's lives. And it certainly has for me. I like that. I like that. It's a good uh, contemplative, contemplative thought of like, you know. Yeah, I'm just appreciating the ride, you know. Like I wanted to... Bitcoin to go to infinity and just like live the flashy like high life and flying private jets and all like when I first got into it and it's ironically like I actually like getting into Bitcoin and it going up makes me realize I don't want those things I mean like you know like I'll do them I guess like if Bitcoin is a million dollars like yeah. there'll be a picture of me on a golf stream <laughs> but like <laughs> like don't worry but you know, it's like that's not going to bring me lasting happiness. No, no. It's and experience, it, it's, man. it's, yeah, and it's temporary. And I mean, yeah. anything is temporary. Like, life is even like having, you know, a family, getting married, having kids. Like, you know, like you've had, you've had multiple kids. Like, there's yeah. nothing like your first child. And it's not that you'd love your second child any less. Right. But the newness of like the experience of being a parent for the first time or like falling in love for the first time, like, totally. all of these things end. You know, 
And, and some, my friend asked me, well, cause we were talking something about this and he was like, well, what, what, you know, if that's the case and like, okay, Mr. Monk, like what about Bitcoin? It's going to end. Right. 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 <laughs> and I was like, yes, it will. Because on a long enough time horizon, material wealth, like when there's such abundance, there's no need to transact value because abundance is everywhere. So yeah, money won't exist on a long enough time frame because of true abundance. But yeah, I mean, until that Isaac Asimov story. Yeah. The last question. The last question. I mean, that essentially shows that. That's what I'm really like kind of influenced by and when i think that and and it's like you know it may be a long long time but again tomorrow is rooted in today yeah and we're not going to be there tomorrow although that is something that i would like to see humanity get to eventually i would love to see us be in a world where we don't need money because abundance is everywhere and it is when you look for it yeah no you're right Right. Well, you good, find man. you find what you see. Uh, no doubt. And we've uh it's all part of the part of the path of discovery. And I think uh we've got a little bit existential here, but I think it's worth the conversation because this stuff all pulls together. I just think most people don't actually view this stuff on that level. Um but at the same time, like I think you just end up there. I'm not saying like we're having a four oh one conversation and instead there's like one oh one listeners. But like <laughs> I think everyone eventually ends up there. Um, because yeah, I, you know, being a parent, I've never had anything more fulfilling in my life. I have to tell the story really quick because I'm super proud of my son. We were watching, um, Encanto, uh, yeah. this morning. He got up at six thirty and was like, "I want to watch Encanto," and I was like, "All right, I put it on." The and joy of a, life. There's a scene like wake up, want to watch Encanto. I, know, that. I was like, "That's weird," but all right. And there's a scene in the beginning, and I don't remember the kid's right. name. I think it's Antonio. He like gets his gift, and he can like talk to animals. Have you seen the movie? Uh no. Okay, so I know, gets, I've seen, I know what it's about though. Yeah, so like he gets this like gift or whatever, and he can talk to animals, and um, this like big jungle cat comes out, and like he goes for a ride on his cat. I'm sitting there with my son; he's five years old. Okay, and I go, "Is that because it has like spots?" And I go, "Is that a leopard or a cheetah?" Right. <laughs> he looks at me. And he goes, "It's a jaguar." And I was like, "What?" And I Google it. It was a jaguar, <laughs> and I was like know that and he i asked him later because gotcha. like, the spots man the spots are different on a jaguar oh the white the white yeah yeah and i was like what like i just got absolutely schooled by my son and i'm gonna remember that the rest of my life because it was like literally it, it dropped me to the floor that he with 100 percent confidence yeah. looked at me like i was a dipshit and was like it's a jaguar and i'm like oh huh okay <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this is like why people make mistakes in trading. Like, I'm going to tie it back to here somehow. Yeah. Because when you are focused on the wrong things in life, you let money and your love of money and wealth and material possessions drive your motive, your actions, yeah, which cause emotional mistakes in investing. Yeah. When you have your priorities right and you recognize that family, health, your faith, if that's something that's important to you, yeah. when you recognize what is important in life, you don't make those same, you know, foolish decisions with the power of hindsight. You don't buy 
You don't empty your bank account at the top of the market into yeah. Bitcoin yeah, yeah. because you don't value wealth the same way. Right, so you don't it. need right. to chase it. Exactly. Yeah. And at the same time, when it's crashing, when you're yeah. focused on the things that really right. matter to you, yeah. you don't fear this level of, you don't feel this level of fear that just all consuming where you can't buy anymore. So you puke it and sell. In fact, you say, you know what? I've got everything I need right here. That'll get me through. So let's buy the dip, baby. Like, yeah, I love it, it. those, those, and this is why I was like taking it in this direction because I don't think people realize that, like, if you want to be a good investor, if you want to be tackle the crypto markets, you need to first tackle your own mind. 100%. Because if you can't do that, you are going to lose. You're yeah. going to get outplayed and outtraded by people like Mr. Jared who have already mastered that part. It's just a fact. Yeah, it's it's, it's true. The, the reason why I've done well. It's the jungle is, is where the leopards I, are and jaguars yeah, are. It was not part of me. It was just like, oh, this is cool. And I could do it emotion, emotionlessly. And that was it. But you're right. Yeah, dude. Jungle. Jaguar. Let's do it. Uh, Teaches you about yourself. You learn. <laughs> the jungle will eat you up. Or you learn to survive, you know? <laughs> no doubt. Speaking of that that five-year-old boy, I have to go get him from school, so I got to go. But <laughs> this was fun, man. Appreciate you popping on. I'm going to get this out That's here, right. hopefully, in the next day. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, your conversation with Mr. Lop. Can you tell the people how they would hear that as well? Yeah, probably come out in May. Um, you can visit the podcast's website. It's valuestack.xyz stack and value um like that youtube.com slash at value stack twitter at value stack pod search it on any podcast platform value stack podcast to find it and uh yeah jameson's is going to be about the history of email how it kind of got centralized from a protocol smtp into a service that basically Gmail now offers, right? And a few other major providers. So how did the protocol become an, a service by a company? What mistakes were made along that trajectory uh, over the last two decades? And how did we get there? Yeah. And then what cautionary tales can that tell for Bitcoin to make sure oh, that we're not oh. going down that same path? Interesting. So oh, that'll be coming out. Payment. Yeah, it's gonna be a good episode. I was, I, I, Jameson also wrote like a long form blog about it, but this was the uh, first time he talked about it on a podcast in the, uh, in this meet in that format. So excited to get that out. Value Stack Pod, if you're interested, subscribe. But before you subscribe to my podcast, you better hit that subscribe for Crypto Parabellum. Hey, appreciate that, dude. Yeah, I do a horrible job of promoting my own stuff. So yeah, please like, I do subscribe, too. follow, all that good stuff. I hope you come back. Uh, Zach, appreciate I don't. It, my guy. Never come back. <laughs> Don't you dare click subscribe. That yeah. might be a better strategy. You know, because this be guy, like, what? What's he I doing? saw a guy on YouTube. He was like, at the end of every video, he's like, I swear, if you subscribe, I'm not making another video. <laughs> and just like, he's like, totally, like, completely off the wall with it. And I was like, bro, subscribe. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like, like that's smart. I think I'm going to do Yeah, yeah. That. that would be Yeah, I, I thought it was, it was creative and clever and uh, earned the subscribe. So. No doubt. Um, no doubt. But yeah, this All is right, fun, man. Well, hey, thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Go check him out. Uh, BTC BAP, Value Stack Pod, Value Stack at XYZ. And we will talk to you later, my guys. Yeah, man. Glad to hear things are starting to come around and uh, feeling a little bit better spirits and 
um, putting out some good content, dude. You're, you're a talented creator, so keep, keep, keep doing it. Thank you, my friend. All right, everybody, take it easy. Uh, we'll see you next time on Crypto Parabellum Podcast.